right, we're back. We're trying this one more, well, another time. I don't know why I said another time, because as far as anybody listening is, we don't do this more than one time, but why not? It doesn't matter. I'm an amateur, so therefore, I'm going to tell you everything that's going on in my life. But the most important thing is what's going on in our lives, because that's what we're talking about a little bit here. Anyway, um, after being gone for a bit, Tanya has returned from the great, well, I was going to say the great beyond, but that's like a whole lot further of a trip than you actually took. So, welcome home. It was pretty beyond, but... How far? It was kind of way out there, right? Well, beyond our borders and beyond our water borders, so, Yeah. It was. So tell me where you went. I mean, might as well. We'll talk. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And, you know, what's the question of the day? The question is, hey, Tanya, what have you been up to? Because you've been, I don't know, that's my question of the day. Well, I thought a question that um, has been asked is what what relevance would historical things or um, stories or whatever uh, have on modern Christianity or on our uh testimonies or our stories today you know we talk a lot about history and we in our church have the value of story and so to me history's stories tell the work of God throughout the centuries and so going to Europe and seeing a lot of the remnants of ancient things ancient acts ancient you know battles and um, especially in Christendom I think it's pretty exciting to me how it really does affect us and we don't probably have it in our face here in America quite as much because we're not very old so we don't we don't have those memories right in front of us like we don't walk by ancient ruins all the time like these people might in Rome or in um, even in England somewhat you know but I feel like it's important for us to kind of dwell on that some again because we really don't very often and to because of that, to have a global atmosphere, attitude of how our story can be used of God to paint a global picture and to do what his larger story is already doing. I just, I think, I think that's something that we came back with from our European uh, adventures. (laughs) Well, so you're saying if I'm how history I guess a good question is there's that old line if you don't understand your history you're doomed to repeat it thing which is not really where you were headed off with that but more of understanding history in order to appreciate um, where we come from is that what yeah, I'm getting at? Yeah appreciating it not taking it for granted um, and like you're saying not repeating it so that we in, in the sense we will repeat history I believe the Bible is kind of clear that there's nothing new under the sun, so we kind of go around these same themes. But I think it's valuable for us to know what our what our forefathers, and I'm talking about Christian men and women who have uh, given us the faith we have, because they've passed it down, or we wouldn't have we wouldn't even have copies of the Bible if, if we didn't have you know something to look on that was um, men and women who gave their lives to make sure that the gospel was propagated throughout the world. So I'm just, that's what I'm talking about. I'm saying to reflect on that stuff is to be thankful and to be kind of reminiscent in a sort of weird way of what God has done. You know, not that we've lived that in our own lives, although some of us may have, but because I feel like in the future we may end up needing to face that. And it gives you courage to know what 
other people have gone through to make sure that the the Bible has come as far as it has and has been around, you know, and it's obviously God's work because it's miraculous. And at the same time, people have been involved in that. So it's just fascinating to me. I enjoy it. Well, I mean, Hebrews tells us that we should remember the saints and, you know, they give a list based upon the history of when Hebrews was initially penned, which is a, you know, list of the Old Testament heroes and others who had um, faced martyrdom up to that point. But what are, so well, actually, yeah, you did, you, that. you went through several um, places where you encountered, you kind of targeted some places as you were traveling through. First off, where did you go? Start, let's start with that question <laughs> and then I will take the targets apart and we'll walk through it a little bit. So let's start with the first thing you're, you we drove with, like the, if yeah. you have to put it for those of you listening, if you put a pin in a map and you said, okay, we started here and you kind of have the little dotted line of where they took a driving trip all the way down through where, how did that yeah, go? Tell like me me to that. Yeah. I want you to alliterate on it. So I'm just giving an image, some place that, you know, okay. listeners can say pin, little car driving. Where did you drive? Okay. Well, we didn't drive. We flew <laughs> into England where um, we met Josiah who had driven from um, Italy, but we'll I'll get to that. That's what I mean. <laughs> we started, well, but we started with a, a medieval festival in England. We didn't, I'm just saying, it wasn't a driving for us. It was a flying into a specific thing that Josiah had set aside to do, and that's what he wanted us to start with. So that's where we went. Um, so we flew into uh, London, then we went south, kind of southeast, I think, of London to Hurstmanso Castle, um, which is uh, where they have a medieval festival that is that, of that area. I think they have other ones throughout England, but this is one of the bigger ones, and it's one of the better known ones, at least in that area. So so we started there. We went um, and participated in that, and it was a fun adventure. And I feel like a lot more representative of the actual probably medieval time um, in in the sense that it was maybe it was just that it was more neutral to me but it represented the history a lot better of just that era and whatever they had some pretend battles and some different things like that but in artisans who were good at what they um, what they were doing so uh, from there we went and visited a castle a couple of places in England we went to Oxford and to London and Saw a couple of things, not not too much, but and then Arundel Castle, which is on the little bit further west, even from there, and then we started back toward on our journey toward Italy. That's what you were getting at. I think we drove mm-hmm. from there toward Italy, which took us through um, one of the targeted areas for me was Oxford, which I got to visit not not extensively, but got to kind of touch a little bit of um, the history there. We went to one of the chapels there that had some of the Christian martyrs from both Protestant and Catholic um, from the Reformation time up on the wall. They had a a plaque commemorating them and ones who were executed in that or judged and executed in that chapel or that area. So that was interesting because there was a few names that I recognized. And then... um, we would, and what what I'm saying by that is, so n- names that I recognize on a wall like that, to me are, are, you know, we recognize, we hear pieces, maybe theological pieces over here, but to see those names and actually understand that this is where they died or this is where they gave up their life, that that's pretty f- significant to me. So people like Thomas Cranmer and um, 
there was another name. Uh, I can't remember the other one for that from that particular wall. But anyway, so some of the rest of oh, Hugh Latimer, and um, there was another name. But it makes it more real, I think. You know. So then we went to um, the Canterbury Cathedral after that, which I thought was another place that stands out in history as being kind of an icon of the Protestant faith, even though it's still the Anglican Church. It's an interesting story. And the thing we did experience, and of course we didn't really know what I don't feel like until we got kind of all the way through and had already gone through the Vatican and everything, that we realized that that particular cathedral seemed to truly honor the the sacrifice they had given for Jesus, for they, it honored Jesus in the sense that it gave him the credit and showed these as martyrs who gave up their lives for his for the gospel's sake. So Thomas Beckett, who was killed there at, at Canterbury Cathedral, and some of the they were, but it was a little bit different than we experienced in Rome, where we felt like it was more of a even the Vatican more of a testimony to to men. And so that's what I'm trying to say. I feel like it was. A lot you learn a lot about what your your own story and things you need to guard against from watching this and seeing history pieces and and trying to learn from it but also grow through it you know learn a little bit of um so then from anyway from there we went on across the english channel and to um uh belgium and crossed on through a little bit of uh, Germany. We went up to the Flossenburg concentration camp where Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed. And then we came on down through Strasbourg, France, and uh, Salzburg, Austria. Um, and then, and of course, Salzburg, uh, we really didn't get to go into the cathedrals we would like to have because we enjoyed some pieces of the sound of music up there. But but still, again, kind of an icon of Christian music and, and of just um, music in general. But on down to Venice and Florence and um, even further south than to Naples. Uh, Rome, through Rome. Sorry, Rome and then Naples. So anyway, that's what our journey was. Um, okay, cool. I'm just... The few things are popping up from what you're talking about. And I'm just not near a microphone, so I should probably pull one close to me here. <laughs> yeah. A few things are popping up. You, The thing that I kind of – here's the thing. So what were some th – there's a couple of things in my brain. So forgive me for bouncing around and not finishing a sentence. Um, what are the things that stood out to you? You had these real serious things. That, and then I, to me there's also some silly things that I want to kind of talk about too. You had some things that you were like going, well, that's kind of silly. Like, you know, Hannah's – you know, realization of the Pope's collection when you guys were at uh, the thing of, of all the Grecian art and then um, Roman. Roman art, excuse me. And then also um, some of the uh, practices uh, of that, that's that were holy to them. Then what was it um, where someone died in the cathedral? I can't, uh, I can't remember any of this. So first off, back up, roll back. Okay. Tell me who was Thomas Beckett because the person, people listening might not know who Bonhoeffer or Beckett are. Those are two names you mentioned. So they're, but they're both people who gave their Thomas lives. Kramer and Hugh Latimer. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell me, tell me about I the three significant people that were important to you and, and what, who, tell me briefly, just a little short summary of who they were and what their story was in, in short and why those locations were important. Um, well, I told you about the cathedral in Oxford and where 
there were some that were executed for their for standing up for their beliefs and several of them were different types I, i've looked them up even since we've been home like the couple that i mentioned thomas Cramer and hugh latimer and and there's some definite theologians who would um trace back to several other ones that were listed on that, those walls i don't know too much about their individual um theology so i would still like to explore that more but i've heard some who were Cramer quotes uh, just remind me, I don't know who Kramer and Latimer were well, for some Well, I just reason. told you, the only thing I really know about them is that they were in the Reformation. They stood up. Reformation toward, time period. Yeah, which okay. I said a few minutes ago. I'm sorry, I missed they it. They stood up for some of the different belief systems that argued either against the king, which at that point would have been probably King um, Henry VIII, and some of the specifics, um, ones that were trying to... They were arguing against Rome. They were deciding who, you know, whether the Church of England was going to win or the, <laughs> which would have been the Protestants versus the Church of Rome and the Catholicism. So different. There were um, casualties of the battle. Yes, exactly. Because in that list, there was a list of probably 25 people on that wall and they were all of different opinions. So I would have to look back specifically at the theology of these men, although I've heard recent quotes from Hugh Latimer, which makes it sound like I would have been probably in support of his understandings of things. But they came directly in a battle of who's going to win. Is the church you know, going to say that the king is um, subject to uh, the pope or is the king the all-supreme and can make decisions? It's kind of an interesting thing because it's it just seems as if it's an ongoing battle with nations to decide who's going to make the decisions for that country and then therefore what place does religious thought and and theology have to do with that and it's an ongoing battle that's been well the question of whether or not um theology is the foundation for the state or an influence in the state i think that's the battle because man and um it's what created the foundation for what we live in as Americans you know people who are allowed to freely worship but but to see that there is a to create an atmosphere that allows for that but doesn't is not overpowered by one man's rise desire to rise through power or one group's right desire to rise to power through that so yeah um what about um okay so the Beckett same time period um yes a little bit Later, I believe it was King, uh, one of the Henrys. I don't, I'm not exactly sure which one, though. And he um, was uh, supposedly the first Archbishop of Canterbury, I believe. But he was he was elevated to that as well as uh, a couple of other state function spots. And it caused a rift because at first they thought they wanted the church to kind of oversee that and for the spiritual um, climate to be what was you know, leading the people. And then the king decided that was taking some of his power away. So he uh, was challenged by that. And then this man was um, slaughtered on the or on the church steps or whatever. And he was, is he the one that was um, the marker on the floor in the church you were talking about? Is that a different person? Uh, the little candle that was yeah, sitting there? Yeah, because his body was displayed for a while to remind people. Um, and then... Again, Henry VIII canned that idea. I don't know all that, the details of that. But I do know that the the bottom line is this kind of ongoing struggle and is 
is what we watched kind of felt like we felt a little bit because we got to see some different stages of it of course we went all the way back to rome which would have been mm-hmm. you, you know, really legitimately that, traced the trek of christianity back kind of backwards yeah. yeah except for we didn't get to go all the way to um uh you got to Greece where paul left or off to, yeah but we got to see um yeah paul or the the supposed understanding where paul may have written second timothy in the underground jail or a jail that's currently underground i guess it wouldn't have been underground then but pile <laughs> of rocks what we said was that of all the vatican stuff that that kind of just made your heart sick because it seemed opulence. to be yeah and it seemed to be such um uh memorials or whatever to humans but then there's this one little pile of rocks in the ground that you know you know as a as one who reads second timothy and understands paul's plight and know knew what he gave up to to give us the discipling the word of god that we have um is much more sacred you know and to us to our understanding so these grandiose gestures from what was trying to be in fact even told us in one of the tours of the vatican or of saint uh, peter's basilica that you know it was kind of a, it was a competition of who can be in power and so they after the catholics kind of won in this certain areas or in, came out on top in rome or whatever they put up these grand expensive memorial things that um and like hannah reflected as <laughs> we were uh, looking at the memorial to even St. Peter, how embarrassed he would be by that, how we, how we feel like he would have felt like that was not genuinely honoring to him because it, it kind of took away from what he would have rep- wanted to represent, which was Jesus and Jesus, the, the testimony and the, the truths of the gospel. Not that, you know, God doesn't have all the money in the world and, and should be honored by that money, but it's just a, an understanding that there's a humility that seems to get lost in the fray of man's attempt to be grandiose, you know. Anyway. Well, we, we, you and I were doing some historical, you know, heavy-duty, deep Wikipedia research on some <laughs> of this stuff today. Um, Wikipedia, just for the clarity, is a good reminder of things we should or have learned. It's, it sometimes puts some stru- structure around things like we talked about Mariology and how the church began to adopt worship of Mary, veneration. And, and for some reason, I don't recall ever learning, but being curious, I've been curious, but never really took the time to look into it. That it started around 300, um, began to take um, a posture where she became uh, venerated on almost on par equal with Jesus. And some of these people that you're, you're referencing gave their lives trying to fight for keeping the gospel simple and pure. Yeah. And, um, and that's, uh, it's interesting to me. And this is kind of gets to the silly things a little bit. I was thinking, you know, what are the, the tendencies for us as human beings to, to take the, that which we can't put visuals on or, or our minds around and, um, and create superstitions, um, saints, you know, worshiping in the things, you know, the bones of saints or, uh, yeah. venerating Mary, you know, which that, but, but just in general saying, you know, this is sacred because this person was so holy, then he must be, you know, someone we need to put a statue to him. As a result, people's eyes slowly begin to turn away from Jesus. And 
what is the the bones of whatever it is this show that we were watching Cuthbert Cuthbert Saint yeah, Cuthbert, Saint Cuthbert. they the marched Cuthbert. his bones around mm-hmm. Europe in the 900s um eight and 900s what how many how many years did you say that took place I don't know it's he's still on display somewhere it sounds like <laughs> you can still find him <laughs> look him up but but you don't hold his hand to be yeah. anointed king um his mummified corpse yeah um but the uh but the thing of the 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 thing that and the mythology stories that people told you know people who would be pierced with arrows and not die therefore you know the, and how the world looked would look at that you know just the, the the to me the silly things of how easily we as human beings really lose sight of what jesus in, was trying to communicate and it becomes so distorted that by the time it stretches out across the lands you you know we know that well paganism was a by the time the gospel got to to england it's it's a blend of paganism and and um and and uh christianity right what i think happens is the wrong things are lifted up the wrong things are focused yeah. yeah focused on or are like you said venerated or whatever the word would be um because the stuff like when you just said that i thought of a story of george washington that was literally shot several different times but but never died never even you know it wasn't necessarily hindered for the work that god had him on and i believe 100 percent that god had called him because he was a humble man who gave all he had really to see that this nation would be led where it needed to be at least for the first you know part of our nation's um founding and but those stories don't get told very often in fact those stories are kind of ignored unless you happen to be at the right place at the right time and yet some of these saints people know all their mythological stories like you're saying almost to a, a well to a fictional degree giving so, artifacts um, power yeah, yeah yeah well yeah and also like we're saying um, a mystical uh, earthly thing that that takes away from what God had meant probably through this life or that man's testimony okay. um, I mean when I think about iconography and things like that I mean there was an understanding that you know the church in its purity was trying to keep the the stories alive but whereas the Hebrews had put a great deal of emphasis on the written language and writing mm-hmm. the language and, and having understanding and meaning and communicating with ver- words, a lot of the, um, I'm assuming, uneducated, and the fact that the education systems faltered over time, they went more to visuals and iconography and just the oral traditions again, and it just diminished more and more as, as um, they looked for these things to follow, as I already mentioned, you know, some of the strange things that evolved. And then... Well, then, and the fact that, like you said, for many years they didn't have it, the language or the um, text was not in the hands of the people. So... They had to trust leaders. Um, and so I guess maybe that's where some of that came from. They would laud and praise these leaders who they didn't, they weren't able to double check their theology or doing whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of sad because the leadership is the ones who mis- misled and made all these grand gestures that I think, you know, ultimately don't, don't um, bring up our, uh, our understanding of them or of their testimonies. It's kind of funny because even today I was talking with Mickey Micaiah for a few minutes. Um, she was here getting some stuff. We were just talking about music briefly and she commented um, the thing about performance that scares her is is that 
that environment would be the place where she thinks she would most likely risk being proud and getting, you know, feeding her pride. And, and I'm thinking, you know, the truth is it doesn't matter if you're in a stage where there's a big crowd, larger crowd, whenever there's power, whenever there's, um, an accolade, wherever you, you find success at anything in life, there's the risk that you begin to see yourself bigger than you already are. And that goes all the way back to the beginning of time when God created Adam and he even set him in a garden and, and treated them as, you know, his managers, his servants. And Satan came along and said, you can be so much more. He's letting, he's holding back on you. And so it very much, you know, makes sense that the, the same lie that's being been told to humanity from the beginning of time, just because God created redemption, just because God gave a redemption through Jesus. Just because those storylines persist, the enemy, um, the adversary, continues to use the same weakness in our armor yeah. to um, to tear us apart. And it's not something we should fear, but it should, you know, but it is something we should be aware of Alert because it can, even if you got to the point where you're, um, maybe you're not the uh, head of the company or the guy in charge and but you, you think that you're the one who got that person there because you all the things you did to support and make that person the big, you know, you can think that you're bigger than you really are. And, um, and suddenly you become, when you, it becomes about me or it becomes about the person I, I'm idolizing, I begin to put my entire worship, my entire focus on that person, then we begin to lose sight of what's true and real. And I think these martyrs that you talk about, or at least maybe even in wrongs, but they're trying to draw it back to something more simple. Yes. That's, that definitely was maybe originally the idea. So, so another where place, was I? <laughs> yeah. Well, so another place we got to go, which really meant a lot to our uh, kids that were with me, my older two, Josiah and Hannah, wanted to go to um, Flossenburg concentration camp, which was where Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed. And that was a story that they were familiar with from the um, folks on the Family Life Theater. Things we radio them theaters. Yeah. yeah, so, well, they heard the story. They they knew his um, testimony, along with Corey Tim Boom, of, the war, of World War II and of what he had to do in Germany to stand up against Hitler. So it was fascinating to them. And we were close enough to that particular... Um, concentration camp which the rest of them i think are a lot further north and in poland so that was interesting because i was i was really kind of you know curious how uh that experience would be so it was good it was definitely um uh reflective and uh heartfelt and i guess that's what i mean by history is so real over there, probably probably just because it's a little bit older. But some of these World War II things are real for us, but yeah, they're just not quite way. as, they weren't quite as on our soil. So even though we can honor our veterans who went there, they they went over there. So the experience, you know, feels a little bit more real when you're over there. So you see stuff like Josiah on his last trip, when he got to go to Rome the first time, they told him on a tour to watch for in all of Europe, these gold bricks that there would be in various places and different, um, definitely all the different countries and then some uh, different specific spots. But they were regular um, bricks that would be laid on the ground like cobblestone. 
but they would be overlaid with a gold plate. And it was um, to honor the Jews or people who had been taken during World War II to either be murdered or imprisoned or sent to concentration camps. So we were able to see some of that and those, um, you know, honor it's so those funny. memorials I mean, before we even got sorry. to the concentration camp. So that was... That made it even more real. What? Well, it's funny to me because I mean we we're shifting gears a little bit as we move forward because what I'm thinking about is we were talking about the persecution of saints who were trying to preserve the faith and the purity of it in the early stages of Christianity and they were killed for it. And some of them later on, but you know, mm-hmm. still in the in the pre-medieval times, yeah. end of Rome, transition into medieval right. reality, and they're doing that. But but anti-Semitism on the rise in some of that is another kind of thing. And I, and I just wind up shrugging my shoulder because we always need someone else to blame. And it's, it's not that we can say there's, there's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Hitler um, is not an exception to that. You know, his childhood itself was, was not, was not a good childhood. And, 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 and he, and a foundations. And what's interesting is a, as a reformer, Martin Luther in his old age, became more and more openly anti-Semitic in his writings, and Hitler credited those writings as the foundation of his anti-Semitism. And so, you know, why did we want to blame the Jews for killing Jesus? It's really clear in the scriptures that humanity killed Jesus. Did the Jews reject Jesus? Yeah, but so has the majority of humanity rejected Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a... If, if you're looking at that storyline, we are the largest religion to use the measurement tool in the world currently and yet it's still not worldwide it's still not the most predominant thing in belief systems in the world there's all kinds of belief systems and um it's just with and so it's just well it's funny to me me, because why we would we have to have someone else to blame those stupid people those rather than look at the thing that really is transformative and that's if we are transformed our hearts are changed then that's all right. Again, it's, it's the same evidence of God's plan, God's work throughout history from the beginning of time. Because the the idea, first of all, like you said, that the garden that we would blame someone else, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, you know, whatever. But then also trickling all the way down to the fact that Abraham was disobedient, and so now there's isaac and there's going to be a war you know between those two um families and and that's going to last forever though and it still still lasts all that stuff is evidence to me of how god shows his his framework throughout history so these things even i guess that's what i was actually trying to say when i was over there it felt so much closer to home that those specifics of God's work through history are so much close, you know, just tangible. So I think that even to me um, proves and continues to show that God is at work in his people and he takes various forms. Like we're saying the the martyrs through early times and then the martyrs through, you know, even World War II, there's, there's been... And, and to me, that's the lesson. The lesson is, what am I going to stand for? What is, what is my life going to show? What is it that's going to be evident when I pass away or when I go on? Yeah, I think that's the thing. Oops, I keep forgetting the microphone is pushed away from me when I 
in between things and pull off. So, um, yeah, I, it is at the end of the day, you know, what do, what do we need to consider as we are, um, trying to live our lives personally and not to get distracted by these little things. And it's just interesting as you trek through history, how we have examples of people who throughout have tried and battled to keep it pure as it were, um, some over the top, it seems like we'd swing too hard one direction or another direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're talking about, you know, I think what I was saying a minute ago was the idea that, you know, Hitler began to need to find someone to blame. And uh, for him, it became the Jewish people. He became the next great craze in anti-Semitism. They'd already seen um, persecution in the Crusades. And, and just when people were, were some, for some reason or another, allowed the iconography or the worship of saints or of mankind to become that which was frail or broken to become the thing that became a thing of worship and they put their faith in something that was broken then that just magnified over time and then became something that which destroys um and so like i said the 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 people in jewish history have been targets throughout you know throughout history and hitler bonhoeffer so let's let's look at bonhoeffer he was one who his entire church, the Lutheran church of his day, um, began to accept and espouse anti-Semitism because it was rooted in some of their history. And um, what's Bonhoeffer's story? You were there. I mean, what? just fill me in a little bit on Bonhoeffer's story because for whoever may not know it. Well, you were telling the story. It just became he had to choose whether or not um, he was going to support the idea that the Jews should be eradicated or whatever. And he, you know, at first, I think he didn't think anything kind of like the rest of Germany, it sounds like, didn't really understand what was going on. And then when he started realizing what was going on and realizing that it was against his convictions of, you know, how God saw it, that he needed to stand up against that. And he was had been risen to the rank somehow of um, one of the leaders. Of he was the one of the leaders of, in this church, yeah. Of Germany. So I know that he was kind of in the spotlight, whereas some may not have been noticed. And so he ended up even in a uh, conspiracy to try to take out Hitler, I think. But the bottom line is he he did not, when he was faced with that, would not have joined that idea. He, you know, like I said at first, thought maybe leadership in that uh, seemed good and and maybe Hitler had a way of duping the people that even the ones that were in leadership to think that they were doing a good thing. And yet ultimately when it came to killing, uh, God's people, he couldn't participate in that. Well, it's, yeah. The, the question is who is, well, I think the trick is all, all people belong to God, but there's a, a sense that, um, in the scriptures that we're to pray for, the peace of Israel, the uh, Psalm, one of the Psalms says that. So there is something about even though a lot of them are not believers in and don't trust Jesus as their Messiah, yet um, God called them as His people. So in that sense, like you're saying, to be to be kind of targeted throughout history has just been <laughs> something that has been true for them. But the idea that we still stand for a truth, we stand for Life is sacred, and um, in according to you know the the overall plan of God is to 
love the people that he created. So I think throughout history, these men who have debated these different things or whatever, what has won out and what I think even still stands strong in a Christian heart is that God loves us and he loves people. He loves humanity. He wants, you know, to that all that all would come to repentance and not any would perish. But anyway, so our our stories, our testimonies should be the same of those who have needed to give that up, give up their lives, you know. But um so we may be challenged in that in in the future in our country even because we know that the same things kind of revisit themselves. We've <clears throat> Well, our country is young. A, I mean, mm-hmm. we may have some good foundations, but one could argue that even Rome had some good foundations in the early days, at least in the democrat, Organized, democratic ideas. Yeah. You know, and uh, the problem with Rome was they deified mankind, became deities, and even though Constantine yeah. decided to try and make a shift in that, it just created a foundation which then began to actually corrupt the church. Politics began to corrupt the church when it became the center of things. And yeah, yeah Pray, so much history. Thankfully, that still. Um, something we know that's not the choice in America, but the problem is we can't go far away from it either. Like you said, we can't swing hard one way or another because we can't allow um, the church not to have a say and the people of God to um, sway the things of men, I guess. Well, faith, our faith is a governor. And I've talked about this a little bit. It's, it's a guard to protect us and it's a governor to guide, to, to restrain us. So, you know, if, if you're focused on yourself the wrong way, um, you're either going to self-destruct or destroy others. If mm-hmm. you focus on yourself the right way, in the sense that, you know, allowing yourself to see who you really are and where you can be that destroyer um, and let God work that love in you. Because if, if we look at um, the peace that passes understanding, we, we should be people who are filled with a sense of peace. That means that what someone else is go- what's going on in somebody else's life, the whether it be good or bad or um, hostile or peaceful, shouldn't really rattle us at our core. Where there should be something that's deeper about who Jesus is in us that stabilizes us. And um, but that only comes by truly reckoning with who we are um, and our capacity to be one that blames others, destroys others in order to protect ourselves and operate from a baseline that says, you know, don't. Yeah, protect Paul, ourselves fear to, Paul to, says to put that stuff to death right yeah, to kill anything that would make you too important or <laughs> yeah. um, to put anything important might not be the best word well, too much the focus of things there you go again remembering that's I think why I think remembering history is so important because I think it does make you a little bit smaller <laughs> and realizing that the overall work of God is what there we're here for yeah there it is so that, the, the taking the time to remember um, the, I started out by saying, you know, history repeats itself. Um, the better phrase for that is history may not repeat itself, but it definitely has echoes. <laughs> and, um, and I think that, uh, you know, that bearing in mind that uh, when you broaden your memory, and Jesus even tells the disciples, do this to remember me. When he yeah. says, you know, when you do the Passover, take it this way so you'll know why I was here. Um, the thing that's interesting about this this morning, I, I didn't talk about this, but you know, our our focus, the focus on iconography or the focus on making a hero or saints out of people, um, it's in the, it's so present even in the New Testament when Paul and um, and uh, is it Paul and Peter or James? Well, anyway, they heal someone, and I can't remember which story it is, 
and they want to worship him and they start yeah. to venerate him as God. And they're like, whoa, 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 back up. That's yeah. not who we are. Nope. And, but even still with Jesus, um, and Jesus is one that should be worshiped, but um, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And in John chapter 12, after that um, happens, it says people were coming from all over the place to hear Jesus, but they were coming to see Lazarus who had been raised from the dead. And the result of that was violence. They That's when the Jews decided, we can't do anything with this, this, this rebellion's not going to quiet down. We need to kill both of them. And, um, and the word of that happens gets to, I think, Philip, who then passes it on. Some Greeks in the area overheard it, and they pass it on to Philip, who passes it on to Andrew. And then Jesus goes to, then Andrew goes to Jesus and tells Jesus. And Jesus responds with, my time has come. This is what's about to happen. And he, you know, this escalation of violence. And Jesus then takes the entire violence of that moment but in reality, he understood he was taking all the violence that the world had to throw at him and, and deflecting that off of all of us so that um, we would have a way of, of um, recovery that ourselves. Anyway, aside, preacher in me just comes out a little bit there. But I just okay. I think it's a well, fascinating thing. Again. But the, they, the people, what, to me, it was interesting because at that moment in chapter 12, it wasn't just Jesus. They already had Jesus. The, the Pharisees had said, we're going to deal with this Jesus guy. And they were going to get around to it. There's, you know, they were going to try. But when Lazarus was raised from the dead and they also had people coming and the movement was exploding because of Lazarus now. A, the people were I can, making Lazarus a, an idol at this point in time, but it, it made it even worse for the Pharisees and it, it made it more violent quicker. And so I guess what's, what I'm saying is, you know, when we get our focuses wrong, we can escalate things too. We can make things even... I don't know where I'm going with all this, but it just, it just, it was an interesting observation to see this trail of people well, not knowing where to focus. Again, we're supposed to, I think we're supposed to reflect on what God has done. God raised Lazarus, but we aren't supposed to concentrate on those as what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. He's doing something new. The Bible says several places, behold, I'm doing something new. So he's always at work right now, always doing something new. But the Bible's clear, like you said, to bring into remembrance the things he has done, just to, to build our faith, to remind us of of his overall, again, overarching story that is his love from humanity, his love for his people, his drawing of us into himself. So I think all that is evidence of that. And, and yeah, it's, it's something we either build up or tear down, I think, at yeah. any given moment. And I think we have to be aware of that. Cool. Well, we are at about time and I'm sure there's a bazillion more things that we didn't talk about but we can pick it up another time is there anything else you got for me on this trip wonderful stuff lovely say goodbye Tanya goodbye Tanya (laughs) (laughs) goodbye Tanya thanks for being thanks for coming home by the way I'm glad you're back for a few minutes back to the regime regime regimen keep up Yeah, it seems like it's too much though. Yeah, we're just talking now.